others. Well, good. Amen. Good morning, guys. Um, if you have a copy of God's Word, let's go to John 11 this morning. We're going we're gonna to look at a very um, familiar passage for some of you. It's the story of Lazarus, and most of you know the story of Lazarus and Jesus raising him up from the dead. We've, we've been looking at encounters with Jesus over the last, uh, I don't know, month or so, just kind of working through the Gospels and looking at how when people have personal encounters with the, with the Lord Jesus Christ, how it, just, it really just changes their life forever. And, and that's the way it still should be today. And today we're going to look at uh, a very powerful encounter with Jesus and it's really an encounter with Jesus and Martha and Mary and then their brother Lazarus who, who has died in this situation. And uh, for those of you who know the story, Jesus comes and, and he raises Lazarus from the dead. But it's the interchange and the discussion that Jesus has with Martha in this story that I really want to get down to uh, today. And, and as we look at what it means that Jesus, he, he brings the dead to life. He brings the dead to life. And I, I just want to, I just really want to that to become... I, wanted, I want you to, to, to take that personally today. Um, I think a lot of times when we talk about the things of the gospel and the things of God, a lot of times we look at that as in a general sense uh, or in a universal sense or, or as in an impersonal way or that was for somebody else or, or that, that's for the preacher or that's for, for this person or that person. And I want you to really look at it today for how, did, how does this affect me? How is this going to transform my life today? And it, and it really is going to come down to one question. I'm going to save that question to the very end. But it really just comes down to one question, and we'll look at that um, before we close out today. So let's look at John chapter 11. And I'm going to read through, uh, I'm just going to read through part of this passage with you. And then we're going to, I just have six basic principles, six simple truths today that, that I want to um, I just want to propose to you in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here today, right? It's, we're remembering the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're celebrating the, the historical fact, the truth that he is alive. Just like what we just sang, right? Forever, he is alive. So in, in John 11, in verse 1, it says, it says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, uh, which was the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord... Excuse me, anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. And so sisters sent word to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is only for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, excuse me, Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place that he was. And then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. And the disciples said, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Why are you going there again? And he said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And after saying these things, he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Well, the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's asleep, will he recover? Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. And then Jesus plainly told them, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that it was, excuse me, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And so Thomas called the twin, 
said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And so from that point forward, Jesus goes on into Bethany. He shows great emotion. He weeps. His friend has died. He's he's very sad. He's very heartbroken over that. But then we know that he raises Lazarus from the dead, and many people put their faith in him from that point on. And then his enemies conspire to kill him even more strongly at that point because they're very threatened by this man who can actually raise people from the dead. And so let's look at what the resurrection of Jesus Christ really means to us today. I'm going to walk you through... Six, like as I said before, six truths or six, you know, principles, whatever you want to call them, but they're um, they're very relevant, and that's the first thing that I want to share with you today is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes Jesus relevant. It makes Jesus relevant. Now, what does that mean? Have you ever paused to to ask yourself this question? Why are we even talking about this guy? I mean. What are the chances that we know of this obscure Jewish rabbi who walked the face of the earth in the, in the shadow of the Roman Empire over 2,000 years ago, and yet somehow here a bunch of rednecks from Tennessee, or I'm from Mississippi, I'm, I'm more of a redneck than you are. How is it in the world that I even know about this guy? 2,000 years ago? If you think about it, like there's really no reason why we should even know who Jesus is. Think about all of all the people that have lived throughout human history. You know, some people's stories have been preserved. Some people, you know, their lives stood out more than others for whatever reason. But think about the countless millions of people who died and they, their, their story and their name was lost to history. And we never once heard about them and never will. Why him? What makes Jesus relevant today, 2023, here in Memphis, Tennessee. What, what is it about Jesus that we're still talking about him today? There's a couple of things I want to read to you. There's, there's one that's called My Solitary Life. I think it's a, it was, I don't know, I, I forgot to document who wrote this. I should have done that. But if you've ever, you can look it up, you can Google it, My Solitary Life. But just listen to this. I think this is, this is very um, profound what he says. He says, Jesus never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did any of those things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He says, I am far within the mark to say 
that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. What is it about Jesus that makes him relevant to us today? He is considered the greatest man in human history. He's considered the most recognizable figure in in history. Think about that. His name was Jesus. He had no servant, but they called him master. He did not earn a degree, but they called him teacher. He had no medicine, but they called him healer. He he commanded no army, yet kings feared him. He won no battles, yet he conquered the world. He, he He never sat enthroned in some castle, yet they called him Lord. He never ruled over nations, but they called him king. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. They buried him in a tomb, and yet he still lives today. You see, guys, that's what it is, is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes him relevant. The reason that we're still talking about Jesus today is because he is unique. He has no equal in the course of human history because he's the only person ever known to have conquered death. He was literally, physically, bodily resurrected from the grave. By eyewitness accounts, the people that knew him the most, the people that lived with him, that walked with him, the people that heard his contemporaries and his, and his peers, they, they were all witnesses to this amazing, miraculous, supernatural event that we call the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is because of this resurrection today and because of the testimony of those eyewitnesses that were preserved, thank God that we have them now, written in Scripture preserved in the word of God, that testimony that turned the world upside down. It changed the course of human history because these people who were witnesses, eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they spent the rest of their life going to all of the world to proclaim one thing and one thing alone. Jesus Christ is alive. He's Lord. He's risen from the grave. Nobody else can claim that. And so that's what makes Jesus the most relevant and the most significant person who ever lived and ever walked the face of this earth because it was the resurrection of Jesus Christ that changed the course of human history. And guys, guess what? That's why we're still talking about him today. Do you know anybody else who ever rose from the dead? You know anybody else who conquered the grave? There's only one. So that's what makes Jesus relevant. And I think for a lot of the young people in the room today, you need to hear that. You know, some of you guys are growing up in church, or maybe your parents are believers, and you, you don't really know, you know, what's it about. You know, think about, why are you still talking about Jesus today? Why, why is he so important? Why is he so essential today? It's because he was resurrected from the grave, and he, he never to die again. Never to die again. That's important. See, Lazarus was raised from the grave, but it was only a temporary resurrection. Lazarus had to die again. You ever think about that? When Jesus was resurrected from the grave, he never died again. That's that's what makes his resurrection superior and most significant when we look at him as the most relevant person in history. The second thing, though, is that Jesus, the resurrection, makes Jesus our our righteousness. I want you to stay with me on that. It makes Jesus our righteousness. See, the, the word righteousness that which is right in the sight of God. And when we look at ourselves, we're anything but, aren't we? Let's be honest. 
Righteousness is that which is right in the sight of God. But when we look at our lives, we look at ourselves, we look at our hearts, we know who we are. How many of us can claim that we're perfectly righteous? Nobody can. But that's what it takes to be made right with God. We need to be made right with God. It's a longing and a yearning that every human being on the face of the planet has, whether you know it or not, whether you've been raised in a religious background or not, in a church context or not, it doesn't matter. Everybody knows there's something wrong with us, that there's, there's, a, there's a need that we have, and that there, there's a, and a, we're accountable to our creator. There's a standard that we're living up to that we just can't seem to, to, to live up to. There's a standard we're, we're falling at, we're failing at these things, that that's what God put in, in the heart of every human being. And we all know this intuitively, inherently, we know that there's something wrong with us and there's something wrong with the world. And so we need someone to be righteous on our behalf. And listen, that's what Jesus did. When he came into the world as the son of God, the first thing he did is that he lived the perfect life. He lived the per- So here's what he did. He lived the life that you and I could never what? We could never live. We needed somebody to do that. We needed somebody to be perfect in righteousness, in obedience to God, without sin, completely pure, morally perfect. Jesus did that. But he didn't stop there. Then he went to the cross, willingly laying his life down. And what he did, guys, is that he died a death that we, what? That we deserve. Because we understand from the beginning the wages of sin, the price for sin is what? So we deserve death. So he lived the life that we could never live. He died the death that we deserve. But I want to ask you this question. What if that was the end of the story? What if the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was the end? Would we be here today? We would not. People don't, I don't know, sometimes we don't maybe think about this, but the cross of Christ is nothing without the what? Without the resurrection. If Jesus died on the cross and he would have remained in the, in the grave as a dead man, we would, our faith would be, would, would be in vain. His death would be in vain. There would be no power in the death of Jesus Christ, and we would not be here today. We would, there would be no purpose in even knowing who Jesus is, much less worshiping him as the Son of God. You see, if you take the resurrection away from the cross, the cross means absolutely nothing, has no, no power whatsoever. There's something about the resurrection that, that God was validating the death of Jesus Christ. It's almost like he's putting an exclamation point on the life, death, and burial of Jesus Christ through the resurrection. And what that did, guys, is that it was God's validation of who he was and what he had done and that God had accepted his sacrifice as the perfect sacrifice, the one and only son of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let me read a verse to you to show you what I'm talking about. In Romans chapter 4, listen to what the, uh, the Apostle Paul says. It says, righteousness will be credited to us who believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead. Okay, now get the picture. Remember, we need perfect righteousness. Do we have that on our own? We do not. Can we earn that on our own? We cannot. There's no amount of good works that we could ever do to be perfect in righteousness. So we have to have somebody else live that life for us. Thank God Jesus did that. Now he's saying that for those of us who believe in Jesus and the one who who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, it says he credited us righteousness. In other words, he, he gives us his righteousness. He applies his righteousness to our account. We have this huge sin debt. 
We're in, we're in the negative. Anybody check their, their checking account lately? Are you, are you in the red numbers yet? In that negative, right? We have this huge negative sin debt. And Jesus has this account that is just perfect. And God takes his righteousness and he puts it in our account. So our account now shows as being perfect in righteousness. How does that exchange happen? One way. We must put our what? Our faith. We must believe in him. And in that faith, in that belief process, God credits righteousness to us who believe. Now listen to what he says. He says, we are given righteousness, will be credited to us for those who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over He was delivered over to death for our trespasses, but he was raised to life for our justification. That means that without the resurrection, our sins have not been paid for and forgiven. The Apostle Paul said it again this way in 1 Corinthians 15. If the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is in vain and you are still in your sins. I want you to think about that for a second. If Jesus had never been resurrected from the dead, we would still be in our what? That means we would have no hope. There would be no way for us to be forgiven. There would be no way for us to be made right with God. That is a sad reality. But we know the truth is that he was indeed risen from the dead. Thank God. And so therefore he is raised for our righteousness. Therefore, we do have hope for forgiveness. We do have hope for salvation. We do have hope for justification in Jesus Christ. It's very important that we understand that. The third thing that I want to share with you today is that Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, makes him our redeemer. Makes him our redeemer. So he's relevant today. He's our righteousness, therefore we can have forgiveness of sins. But Jesus as our redeemer, listen, I want to just focus on one aspect. Now, he came to redeem many, many different things. But I want to just share with you one primary reason why Jesus is our redeemer. Jesus is our redeemer because he's the only one who will make everything new. He came to restore what was lost And he came to defeat our greatest enemy. The Bible says that we have one great enemy. And the last enemy, the last great enemy, does anybody know what the Bible says about that? It's death. Our last great enemy is what? It's death. Now, I want you to think about it from this perspective. Jesus is our redeemer because what is the resurrection? It's power over what? Power over death. Again, he's the only one that has, has, has shown and demonstrated genuine power over this thing that we call death. Now, when he was raised from the dead, not only is he our redeemer personally, we'll talk about that in a second, but he is the redeemer of the whole creation universally. Y'all know what's happening to our world, to the universe itself? It is in a perpetual state of decay and what? Death. You know, every star that you see when you look out in the night sky, you know, every single star that you see is doing what? Burning out. It's losing energy. What every star in the universe, all trillion of them, however many trillion there are, they're all what? Dying. 
Every piece of material matter in the, in the universe is decomposing, is, is, is falling apart. And then we know that that can even go to our own personal level and a cellular level in, a, in your own human body. Anybody feeling the effects of death and decay today? I'm sure many of you are. Because our bodies are what? They're dying. We're degenerating. We're, we're, decom we're decomposing. We're, we're, <laughs> that's what's happening to us. But Jesus came to overcome death and he came to prove that he is the one and only redeemer of the universe. So universally speaking, he came to make everything new. He came to put it all back together. And personally speaking, he came to give us life as our redeemer. And the word redeemer simply means to buy back, to purchase something back out of bondage. So when he gave his life as a purchase price, when he died on the cross, that was him saying, I'm going to give my life. This is my purchase price. I'm doing this to buy back what was, what was lost. And then through his resurrection, he proved that he had power over death, which is affecting everything in the universe, including you and me. And eventually, he promised to raise our what? Our bodies from the grave. Now, here's where we got to understand what's happening. Is that Jesus, in his resurrection, proved that he is the one that will restore and redeem everything, including you and me. But every time I drive by a graveyard, I'm reminded that that just hasn't happened yet. And that's the hard part, isn't it? Because we want him to redeem everything right now. What did Mary and Martha come up to Jesus and say, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have, but he died. Jesus let him die. Now, we let him die for a purpose so that he could raise him from the dead to prove to everybody there that I have power over the grave. But think about it. You know what? Lazarus, his body is still buried somewhere over in Israel today. Still there right now. At least what's left of it. The DNA, whatever is composed of his body, is still over there right now. His body has not yet been what? Resurrected, glorified, just like Jesus. And every time you drive by a graveyard, you have to be reminded that it hasn't happened yet. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that it what? It will happen. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of his timing. Everything's got to run the course of history. God's bringing everything according to his good purpose and his plan and his prophetic plan. And all those things have to happen. And whether we live to see him return or not, at the end of the day, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we can be sure that he will raise us up from the grave. And we will be redeemed ultimately and fully. Not just us personally, but he's going to restore the entire what? The entire creation. All of creation will be made new. That's who Jesus is. Romans 8 says, The creation is, will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility because of him who subjected it. But he says that we are waiting, we are eagerly waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. And that we ourselves are groaning, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, which is the redemption of our bodies. There's going to be a day when Jesus returns and we will have no more need for the graveyard. Think about that. 
No more need for the graveyard. Our Jesus is our redeemer. The fourth thing I want to share with you today is that, is that Jesus is ruler over all things. Now, this is important. Remember what I told you a second ago? Lazarus, he was resurrected temporarily, but he had to die again, and he's still in his body. He's still, still dead. Jesus, however, is different. When Jesus was resurrected, did he die again? He did not. What did he do? Forty days he spent with his disciples. He proved to them that he was the son of God. He taught them about the kingdom of God. And then what do we know? Jesus did what? He ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Now, what does that mean? Well, the right hand of the Father is just a euphemism. It's just a way of us understanding who Jesus is and what authority and power he has been given. By saying that he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven means that Jesus Christ today is ruling and reigning and he's sitting at the, at the highest position of power and authority in the entire universe. So basically through the resurrection, what we see in Jesus is he's proven himself to be the most powerful being in the universe. Now I want you to think about that for just a second. If he is your savior and you have a relationship with him and he's the most powerful being in the universe, think about who you have on your side. Think about access that you have when you can come to Jesus, when you can talk to him, when you can entrust yourself to him, when you can put your hope and your faith in him, when you're, when you're turning to him to, to help you in your time of need, and it, and it really puts everything into perspective, is that he's the, he's the risen one, he's the one that's ascended to the right hand of the, of the Father in heaven, he's the one that's the, the highest position of authority and power in all of the universe, and guess what, he knows you by your name. If you belong to him, you're one of his. What is the old saying, God plus one is a majority? Right? I mean, that's the way that we have to understand our relationship to the Lord. He is the ruler over everything. It says this in Ephesians 1. It says that Christ, when he was raised from the dead, he was seated at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above every rule and authority, power and dominion, over every name that is named, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come, so that God put everything under his feet and made him head over everything for the church. Church? Who's the church? We are God's children, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So I want you to find some comfort today. If you know that you are one of his children, you're one of God's people, you have a relationship with the Lord. I want that for everybody in this room. But I want you to think about what you have in Christ. You have somebody who he knows you. He is your great high priest. That means he's, he's interceding for you. He's your advocate. He's defending you. Do any of you feel accused today? Any of you feel like you've under attack? Maybe the devil's been beating you up. If you feel those thoughts of accusation. Those thoughts of worthlessness, those thoughts of shame and guilt and all those kind of things. You see, you have somebody named Jesus at the right hand of the Father in the highest position of power in all of heaven, and he's your defender. He is your defense attorney, basically. When every accusation can be thrown at you, whatever thought that you think of you, whatever the devil's trying to cast at you, however discouraged you can be, Jesus is right there saying, no, I'm, 
I'm this person's defense attorney. That is my child. I'm standing in the gap for this person. I'm advocating for them. That's who he is. He's our defender. He's our protect, protector. He is our, he's our provider. Romans 8 says this, Who is there to condemn us? For Christ Jesus who died, and more than that, he was raised to life. He is at the right hand of God. Listen to this. And he is interceding for us. Do you know what that means? Jesus Christ is interceding for you. Does anybody know what that means? What's he doing for us? He's praying for you. Did you ever think about that? Jesus Christ is praying for you. I don't know how that makes you feel. That, that gives me a tremendous amount of hope and encouragement. Because I know that we need to pray for each other. I know many of you pray for me. I know that I pray for many of you. But there's times when we fail to pray for each other. Just to be honest, there's times when we don't always remain faithful and consistent and persistent in our prayer. But it, you know what? Even in those times, we always have somebody doing what? Always somebody praying for you. And he's at the highest position of power in all of heaven. And his name is Jesus. And it's only because he's been resurrected that we have this relationship to him. Jesus is reliable. That's our, next, that's our next point. The resurrection makes Jesus reliable. So we've, we've seen that he's relevant. We've seen that he's our righteousness, our redeemer. He's ruler. But the last two, I want to really get down to your personal relationship with the Lord. It's because Jesus Christ has been resurrected from the dead, that means he is Reliable. And I want you to think about how many people in your life are really reliable. How many people in your life can you go to no matter what and you know that they're always going to be there? I think some of us, most of us should have at least some people, a handful of people that we would consider to be reliable, trustworthy. But I'm telling you, nobody compares to Jesus. You see, Jesus can be trusted, and his resurrection makes him reliable. How many, of you, how many of you have heard the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and we don't lean on our own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will what? And he will direct your path. Now, let me ask you this. How is that possible with a dead man? How are you going to rely on anybody who's dead? Who's going to direct your path if they're dead? But the fact that Jesus Christ is alive today, that he has overcome the grave, he is the one who specializes in bringing dead things to life, and that's why we have to come back to the very big basic question, do we really trust him, guys? And I'm telling you, this is the test of our life right here. This is what it all comes down to. Because I know many of you are facing some really difficult times right now. You're facing some really hard, difficult circumstances in your life. And here's the question we got to ask ourselves when we're in those situations. Lord, do I trust you in, in this? That's what it all comes down to. Let's just be honest. Whenever we can't 
wrap our minds around why, why we're going through what we're going through, whenever God seems to be so distant, whenever we're, we're crying out to him, or whenever we, we feel like he's maybe removed himself from us, or whatever it may be, we have to come back to that one question, God, do I still what? Do I still trust you? Can, are you still trustworthy? Do you still bring dead things to life? This is a big one for us. It's a big one for me. I know that I've had to ask myself that question a lot lately. Lord, do I still trust you right now? Even though the whole world around me may be falling apart, nothing makes sense. I don't feel your presence. What is it? It says that when you don't feel the hand, you don't see the hand of God, you can still feel his what? You still feel the heart of God. Sometimes we feel like God is far away from us, but I promise you, God never moves. He never moves. Usually who moves? We do. And so when we look at this situation about the trustworthiness or the reliability of God, I want to just challenge you with a couple of things today. And I want, I want you to ask yourself, do you really believe this? Do you really trust in this? We know that Jesus gives life to dead souls. I'm a, I'm a living witness of that. I was once dead. I was once lost. Now I'm what? Now I'm found. I was dead. Now I'm alive. I was lost. Now I'm found. This is, I was blind, now I see. You see, Jesus gives us life. He brings the dead to life. He, he spiritually gives us new life. He gives life to dead souls. We know he does that. He gives sight to dead eyes. He opens our eyes. We talked about that last week. He gives light to dead minds. It's like when you come to a relationship with Jesus, our minds are one way, and then we, 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 we enter into this relationship with Jesus, and it's like the light bulb turns on, and our minds are opened up to so many new things that we've never seen before. He does that. He gives life to dead hopes and dead dreams. Some of you are sitting in the room today and you've given up on your future. You're like, I'll never, I'll never achieve that. I'll never experience that. I don't have any more hope. I don't have any more dreams. Jesus gives life to that. This is a big one. He gives healing and restoration. He brings life to dead relationships. Is anybody in the room today experiencing a relationship that has died? A relationship that's been cut off. A relationship that is not on good standing right now. Anybody in the room know what I'm talking about? Do we just give up hope and just say, you know what, this is just the way it's going to be. I guess things will never get better. I guess this is just the way we have to accept it. That we'll never be close again. We'll never be restored. There'll never be healing. There'll never be forgiveness or whatever it may be. But if we believe that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead which seems to be a little bit more difficult than healing or restoring a relationship. In other words, if God can raise Jesus Christ from the dead, don't you think he can still give life to dead relationships? Don't you think he can still restore that which has been lost? See, I have to believe that. And there's times when I struggle with that. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's the hardest part in life, in my opinion, is the relationships. With kids, family, children, spouses, friends. And we, we get hurt and we, we get lost in this pain and this unforgiveness and this alienation and we're just all at odds with each other and we're sitting there thinking, can we really ever get back? Can there ever be life again in this relationship? And you have to believe it. If you believe that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you have to believe that he can bring dead things to life. And, of course, we know that the last and great enemy, as I've already said before, is the enemies of sin and the enemies of death. And so Jesus Christ is the only one 
that we can rely upon to give us hope that when these bodies do break down and they do eventually give in to what we call death, that we're going to have the hope of heaven. The way that I've said it, and I'll say it again, just very, very simply. Of all the people who've ever lived on the face of the earth, who's going to get us out of the predicament that we're in? Of all the people, all the religious leaders, all the great heroes, all the great authors, the poets, the kings, the philosophers, all the people that we've ever been uh, exposed to throughout human history, who is going to get us out of the predicament that we're in? We have two major problems, guys. The first problem is sin. We've been estranged from God because of our what? And that includes you and that includes me. Every single person has a sin problem. And there's no one else that can handle our sin problem because there's only been one person who's ever lived who died for your what? Your sin. Who else died for your sin? No one. Okay, so if he died for your sin, he did something about our sin problem. He was able to resolve the sin debt that we had so that we could be restored to God, have that relationship with God. But then there was another great barrier that we are facing, another great predicament that we're in, and that predicament, that enemy, is death. And because of death, we're all going to have to face that one day, guys. None of us can escape that. We don't like to think about it. We don't like to talk about it, but it's going to happen. All of us have an appointment with death. And as far as I know, who else has ever been resurrected from the dead? If you, if you know somebody, please let me know right now. I'd love to hear it. Anybody else ever conquer the grave? Only one. Who? Jesus. So he, he resolved our sin problem. He's resolved our death problem. So ba basically what I want you to see in the reliability of Jesus is when it comes down to it, I'm going to put my faith, I'm going to put my trust in the one person who beat death. I think I'll go with him. I think I'll put my faith in him. That's what makes Jesus the most reliable person to take care of these major obstacles and problems that we have as human beings. And the last thing I want to share with you is this. Is that the resurrection makes Jesus relational. Relational. If you hadn't heard anything else I've said today, I want you to hear me on this, okay? There's one thing that Jesus wants from you. Do you know that? He just wants one thing. Does anybody know what it is? A relationship. He just wants a relationship. As much as a parent wants a relationship with their child, as much as a husband wants a relationship with his wife, as much as friends want relationships with each other, family, the one thing that God desires more than anything else, he says, I just want to have a relationship with you. When it all comes down to it, guys, there's really nothing more important in our life than our relationship with Jesus Christ. Did you notice how he how he reacted when he found out about Lazarus and he came to Bethany and he met Martha and he started talking and he started seeing the people weeping and crying and grieving over the death of their friends. See, Lazarus was Jesus' what? 
Martha's friend. He loved this guy. He loved Martha and Mary. He had spent a lot of time with them. Jesus was relational. He had a relationship with them. He was invested in them. He cared deeply about them. He was moved with such grief and compassion. And this is the, the, one of the few times in all of Scripture where we read that Jesus did what? He wept. He was deeply troubled in his spirit, in his heart, and he wept over his friend. Now, he knew what he was about to do. He knew that he was about to raise him from the dead, but did that take away the grief and the sorrow that he felt looking at his friends and their crying and their heartbroken over the death of their, their brother? See, this is the kind of a God that we have. We have a living God, Jesus Christ. He is the living, the risen Savior. What that means, guys, is again, who can have a relationship with a dead person? It doesn't work that way. In other words, if Jesus Christ has not been resurrected from the dead, that means we do not have a relationship. Well, there's no way it's impossible for us to have a relationship with a dead man. But because he's alive, because he has been resurrected and he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he has given us his Holy Spirit, you see, guys, what that means for you and me is that we can have a relationship with the risen Savior. It means we can walk with him every day. We can talk with him at any moment. We can, we can serve him and worship him. We can tell other people about him. We can introduce people to him. We can listen to him. We can depend upon him. We can trust him to provide for us. We can turn to him in our time of need. We can call out to him in for time of help. You see, this is what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It said, we know that our Redeemer lives. And we can have this, this relationship with him. And he offers us what no other religion, what no other person in the world can offer. Jesus Christ offers you and me a personal relationship with the one true living God. He cares about you. He loves you. He wants to have that relationship with you. But the thing that Jesus is never going to do, he's never going to force it. He's not going to force you to love him. Love must be what? It's got to be a choice. It's got to be free. And that's the beautiful thing about God. He's saying, listen, I've done all this for you. I want you to know who I am. I've conquered the grave. I've overcome sin. I'm at the right hand of the Father. I'm, I have all power and authority. I want to have this relationship with you. I want you to know how much I love you. I want you to know how much I can give your life purpose. I want you to know all these wonderful things. But I'm going to leave that choice up to who? Now, here's the question I have from the very end. I told you about this from the beginning. He looked at Martha as he was having that conversation. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He looked at Martha and he said this. He said, do you what? Do you believe this? I'm going to ask you that question, guys. Do you do you believe what I just shared with you today? Do you believe that Jesus is the only way? Do you believe that there's no other person who's conquered sin in the grave? Do you believe that he is the only one that is alive today to have a relationship with? Do you believe he's the only way to have a relationship with the one true living God? Do you believe he is your righteousness? Do you believe he's your redeemer? Do you believe he's your provider and your, and your Lord and your Savior? Do you believe all these things? Because, guys, at the end of the day, that's all that really what? That's all that matters. 
We're not going to be judged in heaven by anything else under the sun, not, how, not who you were, what family you came from, how many degrees you have, how much money you made, how smart you were, any of those things, what your profession and your career was. We're not going to be judged by any of those things. We're going to be judged by one thing and one thing alone. Do you what? Did you believe in the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ? That's it. I'm going to ask our praise team to come up, guys, and as they're coming back up, I'm just going to ask you one more time. Because here, here's what happens. I know what happens because I've been there. Is that sometimes we come to a service just like this. And, and you hear a message, and it's not my message. It, it, this has nothing to do with me. But God and his spirit, sometimes, many times, he's convicting somebody right now. He's doing something in your heart, and you're feeling it right now. Even as I'm speaking, you're like, you know what? I don't know if I've ever really believed. I, I don't know if I've ever really trusted personally. You see, your mom and dad can't believe for you. Your pastor and your teacher can't believe for you. Your kids can't believe for you. You have to take that ownership and responsibility to believe for who? For yourself. And somebody may be here today, and you may be for the very first time saying, you know what? I don't think I've ever really trusted in Jesus I don't think I've ever personally responded to him in faith. And now today's the day. What a better day than Resurrection Sunday for somebody in this room to believe for the very first time. Now, what does that look like? Let me just say this real quick before we sing. What does that look like? If you want to talk to somebody, come talk to me. I'll, I'll be right up here after the service. If you want to come up here and just and talk to me, come grab me. If you don't feel comfortable coming forward, I understand how all that goes. You don't want to bring attention to yourself. That's just fine. But the one thing, please don't do this. Don't just walk out of here without talking to somebody, without getting counsel, without maybe just reaching out to somebody. If it can be me, it can be one of our other elders, somebody that you know in your family, whatever that may be, so that maybe we can help you through that, that life-changing, significant question, do you believe this? Because there's nothing more important, guys. Not, not where you're about to go. Not going to eat Grandma's Easter dinner. Not going to wherever you're going this afternoon. All the plans that you may have over the next day. None of that stuff is matters. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. This is what matters the most, okay? Amen. So just make sure you do your um, business with God right where you are. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing one more song together. And you let the Spirit of God lead you and move you in how he wants you, okay? Let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that whoever may be here today, Lord, who needs that relationship with you for the very first time, Father, I pray that you would give them the courage to reach out, to talk to you right where they are, to, to find someone for counsel, whatever that may be, God, that they would, they would not leave here today without responding to you in faith. So, Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus, I want to give you the glory. Thank you for being our resurrected king. I want to thank you for giving us the hope of heaven, for being our provider, for being the one that we can always turn to, Lord, because you are alive, that we can have that personal relationship with you. And that, Lord, that you have made yourself available to us and you desire that relationship more than anything, God. And I just pray all of us would pursue you more, knowing who you are and what you've done. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' holy and perfect name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.